You're listening to The Word on Long Beach. And now, Jackie Ray. Welcome back to The Word on Long Beach, brought to you by The Long Beach Post. I'm your host, Jackie Ray. We are going to call this episode of The Word on Long Beach moving in a new direction. I think that pretty much covers the gambit of what we're going to be talking about. In the second segment, Anthony Pignataro is going to join me to talk about how Long Beach police are trying to move in a different direction that prevents excessive use of force. However, that move is not met without controversy. So we're going to talk about that. But first, I think we need to touch on something that has caused a very visceral reaction in people throughout this country and definitely here in Long Beach. And that is how we move through this pandemic. With that being said, I think it's important to note that this pandemic is very real. Our numbers are still rising across the nation. Long Beach is no different. So I just want to throw out some numbers for you. Worldwide, there have been 217 million cases of COVID and 4.5 million deaths. In the United States, we have 38.9 million cases and 637,000 deaths. So here in Long Beach, the health department gave an overview of where we stand as a city in a meeting with city council on August 24th. And they revealed some numbers. Here in Long Beach, our current coronavirus cases is 24.1 per 100,000 people. And its positive testing rate is 7.1%, both of which are similar to early February of this year before vaccines were widely available to the general population. So first and foremost, I want to say if that number doesn't shock you, it makes sense. That is less than 1% of the population who is contracting the coronavirus. But if you go to the city's website, which you all can do, you can see that our death rate continues to rise. This is where the problem lies. We don't want people to continue to die from this virus. We are tired of this pandemic, even though we are not necessarily moving as a whole to get past it. I think that is the problem. We need to understand that this pandemic is here and we have to do something. We can't just pretend it's not a thing. We have to do something so we can move past this as a society. And therein lies the problem, which is why you're hearing this term floating around everywhere in the United States. And that is the vaccine passport. What the vaccine passport is, it means you would have to prove that you've been vaccinated before you can get into certain businesses and restaurants. So because that probably has such a visceral reaction for people, I decided to take to the streets of downtown Long Beach and just hear what people thought about the possibility. And I want to emphasize that right now, this is just a possibility. This is not something that has happened. In fact, here in Long Beach, our vaccine numbers are going up, which is great. But I just wanted to point it out that this is something that has been in conversation. So we took to the streets. Wide range of opinions regarding the vaccine passport, as you can imagine. Some range from complete no, some range to, I don't know, I don't know what we should do. I'm very, I want us to get past this, but I don't want to infringe on people's rights. And then some people saying, get the vaccine and get over it. So it's a very wide range of opinions on this. So I wanted to let you guys hear some of this. Now, keep in mind, we let everyone who we talk to on the street operate under the guise of anonymity because I know this does cause a visceral reaction for so many people. I just want you to hear some of the thought processes. And we are going to dissect some of these and see where we stand, if this information is correct, especially with this first one who is very much against the vaccine, the vaccine and the vaccine passport. So take a listen. So we've opened up and it was obviously too soon. And I think we still need protections in place for the citizens of the United States. I think there's a number of ways 
to protect yourself against the virus, people should be more focused on building their immune system, testing for antibodies, and to have a mandatory requirement, whether it's in the city of Long Beach, state of California, or the United States, it's all, I'm in, 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 in its entirety, I'm in disagreement. Everybody has their way of dealing with the situation. If you're protecting your health holistically, you should have the right to do that. And then even with the vaccine passport, it's sort of saying we're pushing you into this arena. But there's only one drug that's been approved by the FDA. And that drug is not available to the public. I think that is a perfectly fine reaction to want people to be able to make decisions for themselves. However, I do want to address one point, and I find it fascinating because we live in a world, if you're on Instagram, if you're on Twitter, if you're on Snapchat even, even on dating apps, and I know that sounds weird, but I'm just going to put a little bit of my business out there. Even if you're on dating apps now, if you swipe left too many times, something pops up that tells you about the vaccine. Not only that, they will give you a boost for a limited time to your account if you say you have the vaccine. So obviously there is so many ways from billboards to news to, like I said, social media for us to get the correct information yet. And still somehow that's not happening. So to be clear, she's 100% correct. There is only one vaccine that has been improved by the food and drug administration. And that is the Pfizer vaccine. She's 100% correct in that. However, she's incorrect in saying that that is not available to the public. In fact, it is very much available to the public. You can go to the city's website here in Long Beach, and that is longbeach.gov health. And you can find places to go and get the vaccine. I got my vaccine here in Long Beach, and I got it at a city-sponsored clinic. Easy for you to do. You just can look up where you want to go. You don't even have to make an appointment. If you want to make an appointment, you can through the city's website. But I want to make sure that everybody understands that that is not correct. The vaccine that has been approved by the FDA is very much available to you if you should choose to get it. And yes, right now that is still a choice. The other interesting thing is some people are very much for the vaccine passport. However, they don't want to be intrusive on your ability to choose what you want to do and what's best for you and your family. I understand that as well. So take a listen to this next resident of Long Beach. I mean, I get it. I, I understand that, you know, they want to be safe. They want to make sure that people are vaccinated. Um, I also feel like it's people's right to choose and, you know, kind of restricting people um, and essentially forcing their hand to be able to, you know, go to the establishments that they want to go to and enjoy the things they'd like to enjoy. It's a little bit tough. Um, I don't know. I, I think I'd be for it though. Um, if it's going to make us, it's going to make it a safer place, uh, you know, make Long Beach a little bit safer for everybody. Um, I'd definitely be for it, but I, I do think it's, it's kind of a tough choice because like I said, you're forcing people's hand and I'm not really sure that a lot of people would be on board with that. If you're vaccinated, um, you know, fine. That's that's you know all well and good. But if you're not, um, I guess you'd have the right to choose to not go to the establishment. I guess you really have that anyway. Um, I'm not sure that there is a middle ground other than what we're really doing right now. Um, if you choose to take it, fine. If not, and then you know, masks masks in, inside the restaurants, um, and then obviously outside, it's kind of your choice. So, from the first woman to this gentleman, I think we all, no matter where you fall on this, have to understand the opinions of both people. However, there are people that are just very much anti-vax, anti-mask. And then there are very much people that are saying, hey, we all need to get the vaccine and that's it and that's all. And this next woman thinks that. I just feel like we have to kind of make a decision. It's, you know, not everyone's gonna be happy about it, but 
if we just make the decision and people have to get vaccinated, then that's what it is. You know, unfortunately, we can't always have everything we want all the time. People are going to complain no matter what. It's, it's annoying, I'm sure. You know, you got to go do something to get into a place of business. But if it keeps everybody safe and if we can all start opening back up and getting our jobs and our lives back together, I don't know what's the big deal. Well, it is a big deal. It's a big deal for a lot of us. And let me just say on a personal note, and this is, again, just my opinion as Jackie Ray, the individual being leery of the government, 100% understand. Being leery of the vaccine, 100% understand that. For me, and again, this is on a personal level, the confusion that I have is the desire to do absolutely nothing. There are several people in our world who don't want to wear a mask. They don't want to get the vaccine. They don't want to keep their kids home from school when they show symptoms. They don't want to social distance. They don't want to abide by the rules on a plane when they fly. There's just a lot of reactions that don't make sense to me. Because the truth is, you might be over the pandemic, but the pandemic is not over. Doing nothing should not be an option for any of us. We have to do something so we can get back to normal. Whatever that is for you, I have no judgments on that. You do what's best for you. Doing nothing should not be an option for any of us. That is my personal opinion. As Jackie Ray, the individual, I'm stressing that again. There are several sites that you can go to to do your research. There are several sites that don't necessarily align with the FDA or CDC. Please do your research carefully and make sure you're getting your information from reliable sources. And that is all I'm going to say about that. Coming up next, Long Beach Police Department is trying to limit the amount of deadly force that they use, but they're implementing something that's quite controversial. One of my colleagues is going to join me next and we're going to talk about it. Once again, this is The Word on Long Beach. Stay with us. The Word on Long Beach is brought to you by Community Hospital Long Beach. Community Hospital is now open, serving the community since 1924 and singularly focused on providing patients with the very best in healthcare services. Community Hospital, restored, reopened, reimagined. And Cambrian Home Care. Cambrian Home Care has been assisting individuals to stay independent in their homes for 25 years. Flexible experience you can trust when the best place is still at home. To learn more, please visit cambrianhomecare.com. Welcome back to The Word on Long Beach, brought to you by The Long Beach Post. I'm your host, Jackie Ray. J. Ray the Fanatic, if you want to follow me on social media, you guys know one of the things that I have been a big proponent of is police reform. That's been a better part of the decade. This is not new. But there's something that's in place right now that I find very interesting because I know we want to move towards police using less force, especially in the wake of George Floyd. So Anthony Pignataro is joining me now. He is an editor and reporter here. We started on the same day. The exact same day, yes. This is so, yeah, now you've got the newbies together for the first time on the show. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you guys are saying thank you. I'm saying you're welcome anyway, but... You covered a story that I found fascinating because I think the emphasis might be in the right place as far as we understand that police are using sometimes force when they shouldn't be and giving them an option to subdue 
a suspect without actually using physical force. However, it's kind of controversial, especially for me, because I'm from Colorado, so I know some of the background with this. And so now they're moving towards using a sedative. Is that correct? Can you tell us more about that? Sure. About a year ago, the city um, police and fire departments basically started uh, a working group on kind of moving away from simply getting a call for somebody who who's exhibiting some kind of either mental illness or drug use or combination of both and maybe a danger to themselves or somebody else. And, and typically the police would just go and then tragedy would invariably occur. So they're trying to come up with a different way to, to handle them without resorting to violence. And various cities around the country have started using... Well, what they've started doing is is coordinating police and fire, paramedics and, and actual law enforcement officers together, who would then go out on they'd communicate uh, between each other, which has never been done before, and they would arrive uh, on the scene together, and then the paramedics would assess whether they you know what what they needed to do to either bring this person into a medical center or do something, and it can involve the use of um, midazolam, which is a sedative. Right. So midazolam, I know there was a case in Texas, but for me personally, I know in 2019, there was a gentleman by the name of Elijah, Elijah McClain. Yes. So he's 20. He was 23 Mm -hmm. at the time of his death and he went into cardiac arrest after. Now it was a different sedative, correct? It was. That um, was ketamine. Right. So obviously it's a different sedative, but. I'm curious as to if there was any conversations. I know when the George Floyd situation happened, a lot of the defund police was misconstrued. It was people thought, oh, we just want to do away with police. But it wanted to specifically have people for these types of situations where they can have people who are medically trained, like a psychiatrist, things of that nature, go out and help these people. I'm still not entirely sure that police or fire are properly trained to deal with people who are in the middle of a mental crisis. This is the main controversy that I encountered when I was reporting the story, which is that there are a number of medical associations, professional medical associations like the American Psychiatric Association that oppose this, and they've opposed it in other cities that have done it because they, for a variety of reasons. The main ones are that they don't like sedatives being administered in a non-healthcare environment. These are, to these environment, these encounters are typically on the street, they're not in a hospital, uh, they don't like that a, that a doctor is is not there. Now, in my reporting, I discovered that the paramedics can, if after administering 10 milligrams of the sedative and they're not getting the result that they want, can call St. Mary Medical Center and talk to a nurse who will then authorize them to give another 10 milligrams. But that's basically it as far as medical management's concerned. Um, and another reason is, is that uh, medical doctors don't like the term agitated delirium or excited delirium, which is the kind of the phrase that the police and fire departments are using to describe the people that they're trying to either assist or arrest or whatever. They say that they're experiencing agitated delirium. Well, uh, a psychiatrist who teaches at Columbia University that I spoke to who has been outspoken on this uh, said that that's not a medical diagnosis. You have delirium. That's a medical diagnosis, but that's not what's going on here. What you have here are people who have mental illness combined with drugs, alcohol, uh, whatever. Uh, it's not... It, to use agitated delirium, they told me, is to invite the overuse of, of medications like uh, 
these sedatives. Yeah, I find it curious because I know our police chief here is definitely, I think he's his heart's in the right place. However, I, I also read in your report that it starts with the dispatcher. The dispatcher will ask a series of questions to then advise the police if this is a possible situation that they're walking into. But that still leads me back to, I think, what you're leaning to right now. Are these dispatchers psychiatrists? Are they medical professionals where they can make this assessment? Well, that's the thing. It's, it's it, uh, a... a um criminologist at Cal State Long Beach told me that it's actually it's actually really interesting that they decided to start training dispatchers because that rarely happens, especially for something like this. So that's a novel part of it. The problem is, as you just said, they're not medical professionals. They're dispatchers. So it, it's like they're almost, um, they created this situation and now they're, they're kind of tailoring the thing to fit this situation. Another factor that I mentioned in the story very briefly is that last year, Long Beach PD stopped using a very controversial restraint called the carotid hold. It was a sleeper hold. Mm -hmm. uh, police departments basically stopped using this uh, many years ago, in some cases decades ago, because of the, the high probability that if you do it wrong, you can kill a person. Right. And Long Beach was very late in stopping the use of this. And I asked the chief, you know, is that a reason why you're going down this road using the sedatives, this new program? And he admitted to me that, yes, the removal of the carotid restraint took a tool out of their toolbox, so to speak, and now they want a new way to kind of address this. Now, as you said before, their their heart, as, as they talk to me, police and fire officials talk to me, their heart is in the right place. They're trying to reduce the levels of violence that we see in these encounters. It's interesting because to me, it seems like you remove something that you knew was problematic, and like you said, decades late, and then now you're instituting something that's controversial nationwide. It seems it almost seems like a problem waiting to happen. When it seems like the easiest fix would be to make sure there is someone on staff with police, fire, and even dispatch who can properly medically assess these situations and then go out. Because my fear is underlining conditions. We've heard that term so many times now because of COVID. When you start administering a sedative to people and you don't know allergic reactions, you don't know what's in their system, you don't know all of these things, that seems like an accident waiting to happen. Well, that's exactly the criticism that's coming from various medical associations because you don't, obviously these people are not getting a detailed medical history. They're not being looked at in a controlled environment. So you have that potential, which is what happened to or what allegedly happened in the Elijah McClain case and in, in 2016 another guy named Tony Timpa in Dallas right. where he actually called the police himself because he was off his uh, medication he had schizophrenia I believe and that led to him being restrained forcibly in handcuffs for 14 minutes I want to say before getting uh, the um, sedative and then he died. Yeah, unfortunately, I would love for us to get to a point where there's several people in our nation, unfortunately, that don't trust the police for various reasons. Um, a lot of them very much justify. I don't think this one is going to help that. I think there are a lot more research is needed. Has um, Police Chief Robert Luna said anything about perhaps moving towards more research and maybe delaying this, maybe halting this for right now? Or is he just going to they're going to just move forward with this? at the moment? Well, right now this is a pilot program okay. and I couldn't really get an answer from the PD as to, they didn't, they actually didn't seem to know how long it was going to last or they didn't want to tell me how long it was going to last. And as far as how they're evaluating it, 
they said that they've used it about 137 times now, with a sedative being introduced maybe in 40, 42 of those cases. So that's kind of how they're evaluating it. It's it's what it is, but as far as how we're going to find out how it ultimately is used, if it becomes standard operating procedure, uh, that's yet to be seen. Well, thank you for letting us know about this. This is a very something definitely the public should know. So I'm glad you covered it because I was fascinated to see this. And like I said, know you're trying to move into the right direction. I would just, there's, there's, it seems like such an easy fix to me. Just get medical personnel on the staff. This isn't, this isn't rocket science to me, but maybe it is for some, but thank you guys so much for joining us on this week's episode of the word on long beach. Don't forget this podcast is here for you. So if you have an idea or something in your community that you think needs to be covered, please email, email me directly at Jackie at lbpost.com, or you can hit me up on all things, social media at Jerry the fanatic. I'm Jackie Ray. Thank you again, Anthony, and we will see you next week.